the next episode of Nerd Clicks and Chill will start in three, two, one, zero. Hey everybody, this is Nick. And this is Carrie. And we are Nerd Flicks and Chill. And in this episode, we're going to be recapping Sharp Objects Episode 5 Closer. Uh, but before we get into that, we always like to check in with where Carrie is in the world this week. Carrie, where are you at? I am in a city called Sheffield in England right now, and it's in South Yorkshire. So there you awesome. go. <laughs> And how is the Walking with Dinosaurs tour going? It's going really well. Uh, nearly all of our audiences are sold out, which is stellar. Um, there was somebody that I met the last city that we were in. Um, we were in Nottingham, which was really cool, by the way, to be in Nottingham and to see the castle and to go to the oldest pub in the UK that was dated like 1189. And, you know, if you go into like an old house or an old building, there's like this certain like old smell to it, you know, like in the United States. But there's sure. a different level of old when you're in a building from the 1100s. It was cool. a very odd smell. <laughs> And I feel like the, like, viral marketing campaign for the tours is very strong. Like, you know, we talked about the uh, video last week, the BBC video that kind of went viral on Facebook. But, like, there have been other videos from the, the show that I've seen kind of making the rounds on different parts of social media. Oh, yeah. It's, um, it's, it's incredible. And I am kind of living in this little bubble. So I'm not really aware of what's kind of existing outside of that. Uh, so yeah, the, gosh, what is he even up to now? The BBC one. I don't even know if I can find it. Um, yeah, last I knew it had well over 20 million views, which is just crazy. That is a lot of views. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, it's, it's, it's nuts. And like I said, I met somebody or I was talking with somebody, um, I was in line for a coffee. There's a cafe that's, it's a chain. It's all over the place. It's called Cafe Nero. But every time I see it, because of the, the style of font, it looks like it says Cafe Nerd. <laughs> so I call it Cafe Nerd. And I was in line ordering a latte. And, uh, this, the woman behind me was like, you're American? I said, yeah. And uh, so we ended up striking up this conversation. She was from Seattle and she was wondering why I was there. And I told her I was with the Walking with Dinosaurs. She said, she's like, oh, I tried to get tickets, but I couldn't. They were all gone. And I was like, yes, I mean, I'm sorry, but yay. I'm happy to hear that they're all gone, but I'm sorry you couldn't go. But um, hmm. yeah, it's it's been going really well. And next week, I'm super excited because we will be in London and we are playing the famous O2 Arena in London next week. And I'm so excited about that. Awesome. You're going to have to keep us posted as to uh, your continuing travels. It's always great to hear where in the world you are. Oh, yeah. And and we only have a little bit longer in the UK. And then we are traveling um, up to Scotland, back up to Scotland, actually. We rehearsed, if you listen to um, our episodes from 
uh, back in June, we were rehearsing in Scotland, but now we're actually going back to fully perform in Scotland. And then we're going to Ireland, which I'm super excited about. And then after that, we hit mainland Europe. So yeah, instead of a different city, I will not only be in a different city week to week, but chances are more than likely I will be in a different country week to week. So that will be exciting too. Cool. So let's get into our recap of Sharp Objects. This is the fifth episode, kind of starts the second half of this series with Closer. Now, this is another one of these episodes that takes place over the course of a day. And for this particular episode, it's Calhoun Day. And so we finally get to see what this Calhoun Day that they've been talking about for a couple episodes now is all about. And uh, I got to say, I don't know about you, but I really, really like this episode a lot. You know what? I did too. And, you know, strangely enough, it's one that I don't, I don't feel that the plot really moved all that far in this. I mean, we got a little bit more information about some of the characters but the overall plot of the entire series, I don't think we got that much. And that has been one of my complaints. But like yourself, I actually really did enjoy this episode. They kind of won me back with this one. Hmm. Yeah, I think part of what I love about this episode is how much it kind of just exposes this town for what they really are. Yeah. He's just kind of sycophantic people that are reveling in misery this is this is the very definition of a a place that is broken you know and i think this episode really exposes it It exposes the the racism it exposes the sexism it exposes a lot of those different elements and it all also takes place with the local politics unfolding on adora's property yeah and there was so much so much subtlety in this episode. I mean, there's been a lot of things, you know, I was saying before that one of the mistakes that I made was watching the show and not giving it my full attention because of there were so many things that were revealed without there being any kind of dialogue. And there was with this too, with passing glances that had a seemingly had a lot of meaning to it. And yeah. then Lots of subtlety or like double meaning in some of the dialogue, because then when you see what they're talking about, it'll take a different meaning to it. Um, and that's kind of what had me intrigued and enjoying this episode. I thought this was one of the best so far. I agree. I think one of the, the things that really um, was noticeable as I was watching this episode is how many times we see people watching each other. Yeah. You know, you see one character watching somebody else who's then watching another character, and then you got these two characters looking at each other. There's a lot of watching, and I think that is meant to say that in this town, in this place, there is always somebody watching. There's always somebody trying to get information, trying to see what they can see, trying to uh, infer what they infer. So all of that is kind of taking place, again, on Adora's property, and... You know, we're, we're seeing, we're seeing it all happen and we're seeing the exchange of information as well. One of the other things that happens here too is that Camille's article finally, um, is published. And that has some interesting effects that ripple throughout the rest of the episode. 
Yeah, it it was really interesting how everybody reacted to it. I mean, some of it was positive and some of it was, you know, people being outright offended by it and how that, you know, does ripple back to her. And uh, I just, I want to go back to what you were saying before about the glances that were done. And I think what really impressed me is, is the direction that was used, the direction and the way that the, the director, and I, I don't know who it was that directed this episode, but the way that the they same used... director for all the episodes. Oh, okay. Uh, but this Marco one, Ye. but this one in particular, I thought was really skillful. And in, in those passing glances that happened, because, you know, it's something that we have mentioned before that we like when a director is able to, direct the camera in such a way that it tells a story without there having to be dialogue. And that's just a really smart way that you can get more information across in a short amount of time without having to fill up space with dialogue. Yeah. And uh, there was a lot of that in this episode. And when it's done well, it's really impressive. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I wanted to go back to the, um, thing about Camille's article being published because, like I said, it does have ripple effects throughout the episode, and one of the ripple effects results in this incident that takes place with Adora, Ama, and Camille in a clothing store. Yeah. And when you watch this scene unfold, you realize that this was Adora's intent to embarrass her, to shame her, and to expose her. Yeah. And that is a very, very cruel thing. And 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 just when you think that that's the most cruel she can be. <laughs> right. It gets worse. It gets way worse later on in the episode. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And, and what's interesting about that, you know, understanding these interactions between Camille and Adora, it also almost kind of retextual recontextualizes Ama's story in a way because you can almost while yes these last several episodes have almost hinted that she is somehow involved or somehow caught up in all of these different things that are going on she is also living under Adora's roof as well oh and yeah. you have to assume that she is also victim to these same kinds of cruelties yeah and I think that serves to kind of uh, almost add a layer of sympathy that you can feel for that character. Oh, yeah, been very much. unsympathetic up to this point in the show. Well, and, and you know, I said before, I really think she's acting out. Like, I don't think she is this rebel, wild child, you know, deep down person. She's doing it to act out. That's her. Um, it's not genuine. And uh, I think we have only, up until this point, have only seen glimpses of the genuine her. I think she is more genuine around um, Camille than anybody. Because I think she can kind of understand Camille a little bit. Because I don't think anybody... Other than maybe the maid, the husband, and Camille can really understand exactly who Adora is. Right. Right. And I, I think that's I think that's true. And of course, Ama gets a lot more of an exposure to 
how kind of deeply rooted some of the issues that Camila's had in this episode when she sees her, when she sees the the scarring from the yeah. cutting. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's powerful stuff. And I think in this episode in particular, I mean, Amy Adams, she is just crushing it in the show. She's just absolutely crushing it. And this is an interesting episode for Camille because this is the closest we've ever seen her to um, kind of revealing more of herself, to, like, putting herself out there. Like, she is a very guarded person, and rightfully so. She's suffered from, you know, abuse, and she's had a horrible upbringing with her mother. And um, this is now somebody who... In this episode, like, it's it's the most she's put herself out there, even with the detective, with Richard. Like, she's putting herself out there with him a little bit. And then yeah. to see her recoil when Adora calls her into, calls him into the house to talk to him, because she's so deathly afraid of what Adora's going to expose. Yeah. And then, you know, for her to kind of be putting herself out there to this point at the end of the episode where she wants to have this conversation with Adora, and you think it's going one way, and then Adora just hits her with this you know, gut punch of that's why I never loved you. Yes. And it's, it's, it's like she's being rejected as she's putting herself out there. Yeah. Yeah. And that completely fucks with a person, something horrible. And, uh, yeah, that, that crushed me. I was just like, oh my gosh. But then I'm thinking too, of course, from the actress's standpoint, and I'm thinking Amy Adams, and then um, I can't think of the actress's name who plays Adora. Patricia uh, Clarkson. Thank you. Um, oh, that's right. She was from. She was from the Steve. She was in the Stephen King movie, um, The Green Mile. Was it? Yeah, was she's she also one that? of. She's also one of Ron Swanson's wives. One of his Tammies. Oh my gosh, <gasps> she is. <laughs> I didn't even put that together. Um, oh my gosh, that's really funny. Um, but I'm just thinking of the two of them playing off of each other. And especially in that scene. And that's like, oh, that is such a meaty, just an incredibly meaty scene to have with somebody else. And like, that's a gift as an actor to have something like that, that's so rich and so full to play off of. And uh, yeah, Amy Adams is so intense and so good in this whole series, but especially in this episode too. Wow. Yeah. And it's, it's again, it's just crushing to see this person who you want to see have just like one decent moment, you know, let this woman have something good. And then, you know, she, she seemingly has like a little bit of it and, but every, around every corner is an abuser. Around every corner is somebody talking about her. Yeah. Around every corner, there's, you know, there's some new peril that awaits her. Yeah. And I think that is, it, it really helps to shape the psychology of this character. Yeah, um, I'm going to step away from this for just a second. And I just want to give a shout out to the makeup team on this show. Because, you know, Amy Adams, as she's standing there in the dressing room, and, you know, she basically comes out and she shows herself to her mother and her stepsister. 
all of the scarring that's all over her body. I mean, it just, it looked really good. I mean, I'm makeup wise. <laughs> um, right. I think the, the makeup team, and I just, I wonder how long all of that application took because that was from head to toe, you know, for that, especially. And, uh, because they're showing it really close on screen too, it had to be like perfect. And, uh, yeah, they they showed some really close ups um, bits of all of that scarring, and it was just it was impressive. Yeah, I agree. I think they they're. I mean, this is such a well put together show. I mean, even the set location for you know this Calhoun Day celebration is really awesome too. Uh, I I also was reading an article about how during the filming. It was so hot that Amy Adams is, uh, who's a producer on the show as well. She actually kind of shut everything down to bring in an ice cream truck. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but and that's the thing about this story is um, Camille is a character that you re- root for, and like this is also, I think, an episode where we did get to see people that that do potentially care for her i don't know about the relationship between her and richard i don't know it still kind of feels like they're using each other to a certain extent um it doesn't necessarily feel like a very genuine thing that's happening here uh maybe it is but when she talks to her editor uh what that is a very sweet dynamic i i said that from episode one yeah. I, I loved the chemistry that the two of them have. I love that it's kind of like this surrogate father-daughter relationship. And right. I absolutely love it. And it's it's amazing the chemistry that these two people can have when they're not even sharing an actual physical scene together, you know, and it's still there. I mean, we, we've only seen them actually together in one episode. The other right. – the rest of the time it's been over the phone, but it's just – there's just there's something about it and i think it's the actor that plays the dad i just i love or not the dad but the the editor the the surrogate dad um there's just something about the way that he talks to her that i just absolutely love and i find so incredibly endearing and uh yeah he treats her with this level of like tenderness that she does not get in any other aspect of her life and at the same time he's he's tender and supportive but yet he also pushes her you know and and of course because he's an editor and you know he's basically her boss he's going to do that as well but it's in it's in a fatherly loving way or it it comes across that way anyway um yeah i think that that is probably the best relationship in her life is that I agree. Yeah, I think that's definitely, definitely seems to be the case from what we've seen. Um, it's also, I mean, interesting the way that scene with those two characters is bookended at the end with, you know, Adora telling her that she doesn't love her. And you just like, what a journey that, that's, you know, and towards yeah. the beginning of the episode, you have this very sweet moment with these characters that, you know, there seems to be an understanding and a, a decent conversation, but then in the end, she just gets her heart ripped out by, you know, her her mother, who's a pretty evil person. Oh, horrible! And, and just then- and just such a fraud too. Like, did anybody yeah. buy that wailing mom act that she put on? No. When Ama goes missing. Uh, well, you know what? I mean, maybe. I didn't buy that in the slightest. 
Well, okay. So the only reason that I say maybe is because to me, Adora seems to be the person that can just crack. And she's already lost one daughter. And we know that she hasn't gotten over that. And her daughter's two friends have both been murdered. And now for her daughter to go missing, that could have been, you know, another straw that breaks the camel's back and she just loses it. I agree. And the only reason I say that, too, is because it was seemingly so over the top that that is either her putting on a show or that was just genuine, like, losing her shit. I I agree, but yeah, I do not think that Adora cares that much. I really don't. Hmm. She does not care that much. That to me was because I mean she wasn't in her bedroom doing this stuff. She was out on the veranda, right? She was on the porch. Like she wasn't. She wasn't happy. She wasn't breaking down in a private moment. She was publicly up, almost on a stage for everybody to see. And that's the other part about this that's so interesting is you know she was pushing for this calhoun day thing to go on well we finally find out what calhoun day is and sure enough it's a celebration of a dead woman but not even just that it's the celebration of a woman that's being that's being um put up on a pedestal and and, and celebrated because she survived a rape she was brutally raped and didn't give up the information on where her husband was. But they burned her alive. Right. That too. Right. So she didn't survive. She was tortured and then murdered. And they're celebrating. Yeah. And that's that's kind of interesting because it does seem to suggest that this town loves their dead girls. And that's been a line of dialogue used in this show. Yeah. And the, and it is a town that seems to love its dead girls. It's got the two girls that died, and then, you know, we find out their biggest celebration is to honor or celebrate this woman who was raped, tortured, and burned alive. Yeah. And that is pretty sick. It's incredibly sick. Uh, and, and it just so happens that that's part of Adora's bloodline. Well, and, and given, too, the fact that Adora carries on this this whole celebration and she's you know I I think it is grandstanding probably to a certain extent that she talks about knowing the other two girls that that have been killed. I think mm-hmm. there is grandstanding to an extent there. I think it's one of those things, you know, it's it's a way for her to to get attention for herself. You know what? I think you're onto something there because I I I'm sure there's a name for it, but it's like that whole syndrome where that's disgusting, where you have these parents that will, like there was a woman that like purposefully continued to poison her daughter and made it seem as if her daughter had cancer. And it was like, she was doing it to try and, and because it brought her attention, it brought people to her and it ended up killing her daughter and it's because she wanted that attention, and right. and because everybody you know comes and they're adoring, and I'm and it sounds to me like that's what this family suffers from as well, or at least Adora, that you know she got she gets all this attention because of this Calhoun Day thing, and then you know she had so much attention 
with her daughter, um, whatever it was that happened with her daughter. And then, you, you know, we see that she makes such a big deal when, you know, she cuts her hand and, you know, everybody knows about it. Because ever since then, she goes into the dress shop in this episode, the woman's like, oh, I heard about your hand. Like, really? Somebody cut your hand or their hand and the, everybody in the town knows about it? Like, why is that such a big deal? Right. So Because this 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 entire town is like just one big gossip machine. Yeah. And that's what it that's what it runs on. Yeah. And these dead girls have just kind of fueled it. And if you look back, dead girls originated it. And it, you you know, and Adora also lost another daughter as well. And that fed that beast as you know, also. So I think that that what this episode really does is it exposes this town for what it is. It's just some dressed up Adora too to a greater extent. It's just some dressed up, well polished well-sounding shithole. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's it's got this seedy underbelly that involves nothing but misery and suffering for people and but but you got to put on a pretty dress and smile when it's showtime, you know. Right. And I think that's what this episode really exposes this town as and kind of connected to this idea that I've been thinking about and I, I couldn't quite get a get my head around why as Amma's on stage, we know that, you know, she had taken the ecstasy prior to going on stage, but Amma is looking at Camille and Richard talking. And she, and that kind of seems like, like her, is it her not getting attention that triggers her to run away? You know, I don't, what did I, you I, take from that? I'm curious. I, I don't know what I think of it. I have no idea. I mean, that would make sense because, I mean, that's kind of what she's learned from Adora, right? Adora seems to relish in being the victim. Right. So, maybe. I don't know. Like, I couldn't, it seems like she ran off because she couldn't get somebody's attention. And was it, you know, was it a particular person or was it just everyone? You know, what, what? is Amma seeking here? I mean, which is strange because she is center stage quite literally at, right. at that moment. So I don't know. And it doesn't seem like it's enough for her. Yeah. And then throw in how creepy it is that Amma's music teacher is one of Camille's abusers. Right. Which uh, really throws a, a, a wrench into, you know, the, to that aspect of the story like that is very creepy and he immediately shoots up your uh suspect list doesn't he oh yeah i mean anytime you meet a new person on this it's like ooh, do they have something to do with it and then of course we have creepy cheerleader girl that comes in and is all upset that she wasn't quoted for the article right right it's like everybody wants something. They want attention. Yeah. They want, yeah. And, yep. and that's part of those, that's part of those power dynamics that we talked about in last week's episode. Yep. Uh, we also still have Alan kind of sitting out there. And I noticed that when they went to the clothing store, Alan gets back in the car. Camera kind of lingers on him a little bit, but like not making any more of it. But we know that he is harboring a lot of potentially built up something. Yeah, I didn't know what to make of that. So he goes back into the car and, like, 
I couldn't tell if it was the AC or if he had turned on the heat, but he turns on the air like all the way. And I don't know why they seem to kind of linger on that. And uh, yeah, I don't know. There's just the way the camera lingered on him was just a little strange. And I'm not exactly sure why just yet. Yeah, my my hunch, my kind of prediction about him is I'm not saying that, that he is a killer or something like that. But he is symbolic of pent-up rage. Mm. I feel like he is just a walking pile of rage just waiting to explode. Yeah. You know, he's contained by his headphones. He's contained when he's sitting in a chair. He's contained in the car. But then, like, the little bit of release is to turn on that air conditioning. The little release was to play music without the headphones. The little release was when he bites into his own hand. Yeah. And, like, it just feels like, you know, it, I I described last week's episode as, like, mounting tension, mounting tension. And now we're starting to see the pot start to boil over. Because Amma's had a breakdown, and Adora's had a breakdown, and Camille's kind of having a little bit of a a breakdown too and that she kind of runs the emotional gamut in this episode where she starts to put herself out there and then immediately gets rejected and then ends up kind of running to the detective and they have this um you know sexual encounter at the end that is all on her terms right and i thought that was really interesting like the title closer i'm, I'm not exactly sure what that's referring to is it that we're getting closer to finding out who killed these kids or, or is Camille getting closer to, um, you know, kind of cracking this thing open? Or is it just personally about Camille's story? You know, I don't understand what that title means in that context either. Yeah, I think there's a lot of stuff in this, uh, not just this episode, but so far that we are not going to fully know the context of until, you know, whatever gets revealed. I mean, we have, we only have, what, three more episodes, I think? Yeah. There's eight total. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think it might even be drawn out until the last episode that all of a sudden it's just going to be a deluge of stuff that gets revealed that, you know, you go back and you watch it again and you see it in a completely different way. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I'm not I'm not sure where this heads next. What's the fallout of everything that happened here and also interesting is the way that camille approached adora about ama i mean we're kind of we have our breath taken away later in that scene but the reason they have that conversation is that she believes that ama is scared of something right and uh it just i don't know i got i don't know if adora just isn't paying attention or she's in denial uh or just doesn't care you know right. I, I i'm i'm not sure but she um i don't know just just I, she just seemed to kind of brush it off so do you have a lead suspect in mind at this point uh, no and that's the thing that's so it's I I don't I don't know if it's refreshing or I don't know if it's frustrating. I don't know what it is just yet. And you know, it's something that we have mentioned before that you know, we were thinking, okay, I don't think this show's really going to be about solving this crime. It's mm. going to be about the characters and the dynamics and 
we haven't really gotten anywhere. I mean, as far as nailing anything down, as far as suspects or clues or anything regarding yeah, I mean, this crime I'm, at all. I'm sure when it's done, we'll look back on it and say, ah, they were planting the seed there. Yeah, oh, I'm sure too. For me, I'm kind of leaning towards the music teacher. Okay. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm. That's that's my that was my kind of instinct on it. Mm, gotcha. Just because he's so creepy, he's such a creep. Yeah. And it's also interesting that it was his. We you know we talked about in this episode how there are constantly people watching people. Yeah. It looked like it was his wife watching Ama and then looking at him and then watching her and then watching him. Mm. And I'm curious because we also saw Ama kind of flirt with him in the previous episodes. That was a little bit creepy. Uh, We also know of his background with Camille, also creepy. So um, that guy, he just seems like trouble. Yeah. Or is he just surrounded by trouble? Don't know. That's true. That's true. But we do know that he is at least an abuser. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a lot of misdirection with things. So, I mean, it could be something from left field. It, you know, you might think maybe, maybe it's the sheriff. Maybe it is that father. Maybe it is the brother. It's, it, and I think it's, it's, it's going to be something that was under our nose that we weren't necessarily expecting. Well, I'm definitely looking forward to finishing out these last three episodes because this has been, I think, my favorite episode of the season so far. Yeah. And I, like I said in the last one, I was like, okay, something needs to happen. I, and ironically enough, like I said at the start of this episode, it's like it, the needle didn't really move that far as far as the plot goes. I mean, the overall plot. I mean, we got a lot more character driven stuff. Uh, But yeah, I thought this was a really strong, really interesting episode and probably one of the strongest of the season so far. Totally agree. Yeah. All right. So you guys have heard our thoughts on Sharp Objects episode five closer, but we'd like to hear yours as well. So hit us up on Facebook and Twitter at NerdFlixChill. You can also check us out on iTunes and Stitcher. And if you are listening on one of those platforms, throw us a five-star review. We would greatly appreciate it. You can find all of our new episodes at LRMOnline.com also. Thank you guys for joining us. We look forward to next week with another recap of Sharp Objects. Until next time, everybody, may the force be with you because the night is dark and full of terrors.